Hello Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans, and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators. On today's show, we will be joined by Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to preview Saturday's matchup between the number 24 Butler Bulldogs and your Florida Gators. UF will hit the road trying to end Butler's home game winning streak against non-conference opponents. And both of these teams are coming off recent wins in tournament classics. We'll talk to Graham about this matchup, break down what it's going to take for Florida to get a win, what a win or a loss by the Gators would mean for this team moving forward, and also get Graham's thoughts on some of Mike White's comments on Thursday. Here was my conversation with Graham this week. We now welcome in Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun, once again joining us to talk UF hoops as the Florida football season is winding down. And the focus now turns to Mike White and this basketball team as they get ready to hit the road, Graham, for a test against number 24 Butler. Mike White and a couple of the players met with the media this week. First of all, how do you felt like they took this week away from the court and and Definitely some of the things that happened in practice. I think that was the highlight of the, the press conference. Yeah, Wednesday's practice, Zach, was much improved, but I think it kind of underscored that really since Florida won the Charleston Classic, there has been a little bit of a drop-off in production and, and effort, I think, in, in, in practices. I don't think Mike White would disagree with that. I think the biggest, most frustrating thing is that he thinks that the team may feel as if they proved themselves in the Charleston Classic. You know, you can look at it however you want. They were 2-2. Two and two, uh, going into that game after losing to UConn, they win three straight, get to five and two. The opponents they faced, one ranked one against Xavier, but I don't think that they should have come around feeling like they had corrected all of their yeah. offensive issues. They did score 70 points or more in all three of those games, but as we saw when the team struggled back at home uh, right after that, that they were really having some issues. Um, defensively, this is a team that's going to be able to to create a lot of turnovers and getting out in transition and, and run, but We've seen a little bit of a drop-off since, and Mike White, you know, yeah. going into Butler, that insane home atmosphere in Indianapolis, especially considering their non-conference streak, Butler has won 55 straight games against non-conference opponents at home. That's a stretch dating wow. back seven years to 2012. Florida did end up splitting the season series with them last year. Only one of those games was scheduled as part of the home-and-home back-to-back that we're doing right now. So Florida has to go to Indianapolis and try and get a win against a team that hasn't lost there since Brad Stevens was still the coach. Zach, that, you know, when you think about former coaches leaving their mark on a program, I think that that's something that Florida fans uh, are very familiar with right now. Yeah, it's interesting to hear Mike White's comments on Thursday because I thought that he liked what he saw from the players in practice leading up to the Charleston Classic. And it was when they tasted success, when they started to feel good about themselves, that they kind of had a lapse in, in, in their play. And I think also, though, it's it's kind of to be expected. I mean, we've talked about the growing pains that this team has. We've talked about them still trying to find, I think, the leadership roles on this team. And that maybe can explain some of the lapses that they've had in practice this week. Des- d- definitely. I mean, you look at Cavarius uh, Hayes' departure. We talked often about how he was their senior leader in the locker room, regardless of what you thought about him offensively on the court, he gave them a presence and kind of righted the ship anytime that they strayed off the path. 
let's be honest, they're still looking for that from Kerry Blackshear Jr., and I don't think that that's to fault him in any way. Anytime you join a new program, it's just been eight games, and you're actually looking to lead eight other new faces along with yourself. There can be definitely a transition period, and I think anyone expecting Blackshear to instantly arrive in Gainesville and boost them from a leadership standpoint didn't really understand the dynamics of this team. Yeah, Really, the way that things had moved since Hayes' departure, it was putting all the leadership at the feet of the three sophomores. Those guys are still leading when it comes to the guards and, and often, but they have to kind of uh, deflect to carry Blackshear in a way, and, and that dynamic is still being created in Gainesville. Yeah. I think when you talk to Mike White, he is a little bit down about the team right now, but he speaks cautiously optimistic that they have the ability to right the ship if they just do these things Right, but every time they fix one thing, I think we see a little bit of a drop-off in another area, Zach, and that's got to be very frustrating for a a head coach that, frankly, still has some questions remaining about his ability to coach a team consistently through one season. Yeah, and, you know, he made a comment on Thursday saying that he's still learning us, talking about Blackshear, as much as we're learning him. The one issue now I think that we've seen pretty consistently from him early on in his UF tenure is that he's got trouble fouling out and getting into foul trouble Mike White addressed that on Thursday. What was kind of his stance on what's been going wrong there and, and how Blackshear can kind of just get over that hump? Yeah, really just spoke about the importance of keeping Carey out there, especially with their front court as banged up as it is. Gorjak Gak practiced yesterday for the first time in two weeks since that hamstring, which again, everyone knew that he was off the court for a shoulder. It's always been kind of one thing for yeah. Gorjak keeping him back rather than his own play. It's his lack of. Uh, and then Dante Bassett, you know, Mike White really kind of, didn't shy away from what Dante Bassett did in the last week. We didn't even see Jason Jatobo in the team's last game. Uh, I, I don't know if that's really – Dante Bassett is, is really the key guy who can pay, play 16 to 20 minutes for them as the backup. But I think he showed that his ability to chase rebounds, get tip-ins, uh, second-chance points, that's going to be invaluable for a team that's sure. still finding a way to get out of this shooting slump right now. And and do you feel like with Kerry Blackshear's foul trouble issues, is some of it pressing – and the fact that he's getting into the games and still trying to find his own, and, and that's contributing to his foul trouble? Really, he's. I think that's absolutely it. I think that you look at what he's being asked to do defensively, I think that he's asked to kind of guard two positions in a way, not to take anything away from Keontae Johnson. I think that he's Florida's best defender all around. He yeah. can guard the one through four really well, but when it comes down to doubling a guy in the post, a lot of that falls on Blackshear, and he can kind of get drawn into those ticky-tack fouls that normally a player wouldn't get called for if there's two equally sized guys right there. So I think that you'll see that uh, drop off a little bit, but it is pressing. He's being asked to do a whole lot and fill a void for a team that really has had a front court void for for more than a season now. And I think that he just needs to settle down a little bit and play his game. But Mike White didn't really help himself uh, and didn't really help KJ by coming out in their second game, really after the Florida State game, coming out right away and saying, we need to run the ball through him. Well, that can kind of create... Uh, a tendency for a guy to catch their breath on defense, which can lead to some lazy fouls if they're being used offensively as much as they are. They really just need a guy to come in off the bench and take three, four minutes away from him so that he can really play sound defense, which is what we saw for three years of Virginia Tech, Zach. Definitely now a big game on Saturday against Butler. Mike White said that this is a huge opportunity for his group to go out there and get a win. What do you think about this matchup, kind of what these two teams are bringing to the table and – most importantly, what it's going to take for UF to come back home with a victory. Yeah, Butler is one of the teams right now that I think is shooting the ball better than they did at any point last year. And a lot of that comes down to two of their seniors. Kamar Baldwin yeah. is averaging 17 points a game, and he's shooting at higher a 40% clip from the three-point line, which when you look across the country, I actually talked to Mike White about this yesterday. Everyone is kind of down <clears throat> program-wise. There are a few programs like Ohio State that are actually shooting 
at a higher clip. But the way that the three-point usage has gone with the expanded three-point line this year, sure. you're seeing some drop-offs across the board, and that has led to some different offensive philosophies. I say all this because Butler is really the outlier. They're relying on the three-point shot higher than that. They have a wing in, in Sean McDermott, six foot nine forward, who can stretch the floor and really kind of kill you from 27 feet. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I mean, and, and I just kind of touched on how Keontae Johnson is a little bit of an undersized four. He may not be used to, you know, spacing the way that Butler's going to space the Gators uh it can be very interesting if, if Butler can get things inside and create open shots. This game could really get away from Florida when you look at the atmosphere. But I, as I said, I think their best attribute is being a sound defensive team. Florida has held every opponent to 67 points or fewer this season. Yeah. And that's really going to be huge when it comes to playing a three-point team like Butler. You have to be able to defend. You can't let them get offensive rebounds. You can't get let, let them have second-chance points. You have to get out in transition. Sure. And anytime you're playing on the road as well, you know, I touched touch on that non-conference home win streak for Butler. It's going to be really hard to do that when you have the crowd yelling at you. But as we saw in stores, Connecticut, and as we saw in the Charleston Classic, this is a Florida team that may play a little bit better when they are counted out rather than so. when they think that they've got everything figured out. It happened in the Connecticut. the pressure of being in the O-Dome, too. Exactly, and that's something we're going to touch on as well here, which is going to only, I think, pick up here before the season's over. Uh, you look at stores, Connecticut, I think a lot of people, the way that Florida played that Connecticut game, people were just down across the board in that game, but you lose Kerry Blackshear Jr. for the last five minutes. You're down by eight points, and you still have a shot at the buzzer to send that thing into overtime. This is a team that still plays well on the road. I think that we haven't seen any drop-offs from them, so I think that it's going to be very interesting. I could see them jumping out to an early lead and having to hold that against Butler. I also could see them rallying, but either way, it looks like it's going to be a close game. What will you make of the result from this game either way? Do, do you th like what would a, a win signify for this team? What would a loss signify for this team? Would it be cause for concern if they can't go be the top 25 team on the road at this point in the season? If they do get over the hump, might that be an encouraging sign for this group? I think that if anything, people will start to lower their expectations long term of Florida if they do lose by double digits to Butler. I don't think it's any time, it's any cause for concern when, when you're losing to an undefeated team that's ranked on the on road. The road yeah. And I keep harping on that streak because they're so good at home that, you know, they could beat, you know, maybe any top 15 team right now that hasn't figured it out. You look around and we've talked to Mike White about this. You look at how Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State, every, you know, top four program that you're used to seeing has kind of struggled with some of these mid-major programs. The Gators should be no different. I think Butler does win that game. I, everything we talked about with the field house, Florida being on the road, still looking to find their offensive footing. Some a lot bad of things, practices. Some bad practices. Although I, I do have to say this, they've had a lot better practices in the last few days from Trey Mann and some other guys like Scotty Lewis. So the freshmen, if you can get them to kind of lead the way and, and maybe embarrass some of these sophomores into having more productive practices, then that's only a benefit for, for Mike yeah. White. Really the big fear right now when you're having these bad practices and you're having five, six new guys you're trying to incorporate is those becoming bad habits. And Anytime you get a coaching change, people always say, oh, well, maybe they can break the bad habits. It's really hard to break the bad habits of freshmen when they keep happening or new guys keep coming in falling into the same rut. And Florida has that issue right now, and, and they need to find ways to get Trey Mann and Scotty Lewis going offensively, who, who has looked much better on the defensive end. And, and I would not be surprised if one of those two guys has a big game against Butler, and that may end up being the catalyst. Because right now, what they're getting from those reserves is not really enough to make this a a uh, second weekend in March team like some people were hoping for when they made their preseason brackets, but it's still possible, but there's a lot of work to be done. 
Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other great offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. We're speaking with Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. You mentioned Trey Mann. Asked, you asked about him yesterday and uh, just kind of where he's at in his first season with Florida, some of the up and downs that he's been dealing with, trying to find his role, I think, within this team. What were your thoughts on kind of what the players and, and Mike White had to say about where he's at right now? Yeah, they're really rallying around him because they realize how good he can be. And it's not really a lack of ability right now. It's just a lack of production, which can come from a, a variety of factors. I think there's a little lazy uh, take that people like to make that just because you're not producing that you're not talented. I think that anytime you're a, a kind of an undersized guard, which let's not let's not kid ourselves, that is what Trey Mann is. He's a sub six foot three guard, and for the rest of his basketball career, people are going to be taller than him and counting him out strictly of because of that size. So he's going to have to find ways to either get to the basket or have that three-point shot fall. And he's been much better at the former than the latter right now, even though he was a better shooter than advertised. Uh, coming into college. I think that Mike White knew how good he was offensively, but in practices, we've seen better than what he was advertised. He's better at getting to the rim than people thought. Yeah. He's got a great shot, uh, smooth release. I mean, no offense to Andrew Nemhard, but that guy would probably kill for Trey Mann's release at, at the next level because it's something that he can hit consistently. Uh, unfortunately, with all that said, we haven't really seen all those things materialize or they've come together at the inopportune moments or he, he has all of them he does a too. concussion which can certainly kind of pile things yeah, on him back. i mean anytime that you people say this about football games anytime you go into a bye game coming off a bye week coming off a loss you, you always are worried that that's going to compound because you don't have a chance to instantly bounce back that can kind of pile up well for trey man he went from being ineffective to being not even on the court and when you're an 18 year old especially from taste. gainesville who kind of feels like and zach you may understand this putting the city on their back a little bit you know he kind of may feel like he's letting people down right now and and that can kind of have an effect on someone's game we've confidence seen confidence too yeah, we've sure. seen you know people love using the term yips and i'm not gonna say that that is anywhere where trey man is at right now but we've seen it on the, get that. you don't want him to get that you want to make sure you find ways uh as a head coach and as teammates to encourage guys but not to let them realize that you're encouraging them so much because there's a potential problem that is one of those things that you need to avoid i think that people who follow basketball understand how much of the mental aspect can play into shot selection it's not just uh a going through the motions type thing as i think a lot of people expect when they watch the nba when you're an 18 year old guy like trey man who has all that potential you are I think overly concerned with losing it all and watching it all fall apart and that can eat at you and, and that may be what we're seeing right now with all that said the great flip side of that is that one performance one practice can change all that yeah uh, you just have to go out there and do it the way that you're used to doing it and we've seen so many 20 point games from Trey Mann at the prep level that it seems a given in the, in the near future that he's going to have one of those and then he's back to being the guy that was projected by many people to be a lottery pick before he even touched down in Gainesville. Final th uh, few things for you, Graham. You mentioned the three-point shooting as, as well. You wrote about that f for the newspaper. What did Mike White ha have to say about that area of his team's game and, and what they've had to do adjusting to the new line? Yeah, I asked Mike not because I thought that the new line was causing the lower percentages. I asked him because there's a lot of people out there who are instantly 
jumping to that conclusion. And I don't think that there's necessarily a correlation between them. Sometimes as a journalist, and obviously you know this, but for anyone out there, you want to just ask questions that you know someone will refute just so you can hear why they disagree with that. And that's why I asked Mike yesterday. I think many people are incorrectly linking the you know six to 18 inch difference in the three point line to this 15%, whatever it is, across the board decrease at the three-point line. That's why I had to throw out their teams like Ohio State and Butler are, are the caveat in that yeah. argument. That makes no sense for them um, to, to be shooting better than everyone. I think that, if anything, it's what we just kind of touched about. It's a little bit mental, if anything. Guys are maybe overthinking about how it looks different or they aren't thinking about it too much and they're leaving their sh- shot a little bit short. Um I think it's something that you need to think about clearly. Uh, it may it's take practice. It's clearly an adjustment period. It's clearly an adjustment period. But then once you've adjusted, I don't think you need to keep thinking about it. We also, I asked Noah Locke yesterday his thoughts on the three-point line. And, and he said, I think if you go back and look at it, most of my three-point shots were from farther yeah, back there anyway. I like so I think that that's been, especially for prep school guys who are, especially a guy like Andrew Nemhard, who one summer may be playing from the international three-point line when he's with Team Canada and then is supposed to spend nine months like he did last season playing from the college three-point line. If anything, you know, they're getting a little continuity and, yeah. and it, it should help guys like that. So there's always a flip side and I think it's a very interesting topic. That's why I, I brought it up. I don't think there's any big change, but I think that it's natural to think that we would have a little bit of a decrease at the three-point shot. But Zach, that is by design. Last year in 2018, college basketball experienced maybe even a three-point renaissance, and that's kind of funny to say considering how the game has been going yeah. in a three-point renaissance every single year. More teams took three-point shots last season than has ever happened in 2018, and it's it's good. I think you watch the NFL, you watch the NBA, you sometimes want to see rule changes uh, to counteract, I, I think, some gaps in the game, and, and people were becoming a little bit too reliant on the three-point shot, and, and it really was kind of under... Maxim uh, undervaluing the the potential of guys uh, in the front court because it it minimized how valuable offensive rebounds, second chance points are, putbacks, and I think right now Florida fans can certainly say that those things are just as valuable because they they probably lose that game uh, last no week if if they don't get those six putback points right away from Dante Bassett, a guy who's not supposed to be out there shooting you know, 25 foot jumpers. So I think it's an interesting topic. If you hear anyone out there saying, oh, the three point line is leading to uh, worse three point shooting. I don't think that that's been proven yet. It's only been eight games, but it's certainly something to watch right now because a three point reliant team like Florida, if they keep shooting at the current clip that they're shooting at, it's going to become a responsibility for Mike White to do what he did last year and continue to evolve their offense to find uh, productive shots that aren't low, uh, you know, efficiency shots. Final thing for you, uh, some news on Friday that the uh, Florida Gators dropped as they have decided to name their basketball court after former coach Billy Donovan. That will happen uh, in the, for the Vanderbilt game, and that's going to be during All-Star break, so Billy D will be able to be in attendance. And um, that shadow that he left for Mike White gets even larger now with uh, this happening. But it was definitely going to happen at some point, and I think – for now it to become official, uh, something Gator fans are going to be proud of and, and something that Mike White's going to have to live up to. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Mike White wants to be the story here. As in, you know, it's being another tough thing for him to overcome, but certainly I think it's that a reminder. you have to consistently remind, I think, maybe him, maybe everyone in the program of the expectations of Florida. And I think that 
doing that is is a perfect way, and especially finding a way to get Billy Donovan uh, here, who said that he was incredibly humbled and honored for the opportunity to do that. Uh, I think many people assumed it would happen, Zach. I don't know if many people thought it would happen this quickly, uh, less than two years after the exact tech renovations that's two names to add to the Stephen c o'connell yeah. center in two years um i know as a journalist your, yourself you may be just a little excited that that'll increase your word count i know that that's where i'm looking at it as but uh i think that it is good to remind people consistently of the expectations because as a florida fan this is the flip side of what i always remind people when when we're talking about the whole coaching carousel argument and, and whether mike white's the right guy you know that that fun conversation I think it's important to realize that the people who um, want a different coach are often coming at it through the lens of this is where I think the expectations should be in the program and we are not here rather than an indictment of Mike White as a head coach. And I think that this is the administration and this is the program saying that we see those expectations as well and embrace them and, and we embrace them. And I think that as you saw with Mike White, he is not a guy who disagrees with this happening in any way yeah, certainly he's part of the press release he's I mean. part of the press release he he's part of the program and he's a very honest and forthcoming guy from from us being around him and i think that he wouldn't want to take anything away from billy donovan's accomplishments just because he's the current guy right now whether it's him whether it's another guy someone else is going to be coached the florida program when they name this court after billy donovan and i think that mike is just a little bit honored that he's the guy who will be trying to coach florida to a, a victory over vanderbilt there you know, I tell people this all the time that history tends to show coaches who who leave on their own terms as much better than they actually were. And I'm not saying this to disparage anyone, but you hardly ever see anyone use Billy Donovan's record in five point games against him. Uh, Mike White currently has a a better winning percentage in games decided by five points or less than Billy Donovan did, and I, I think that that's worth remembering. That in a few years here consecutive 20 win seasons and all that may look pretty good here when you when you bring someone else in the program so this always wanted to remind people that there were people at the time who were pretty down on billy donovan in, in 2007 2008 2011 and that it's about your long-term future and i think that that will be uh the memories when we see that court named after him on february 15th definitely well we got to make some more memories with you today always great to catch up with you and uh, get your perspective first it was on football and now your favorite time of the year. So uh, make sure you guys follow Graham Hall, read all of his work at Gatorsports.com, and we will have him on again throughout the season. Appreciate Graham for his time and perspective once again as we preview this matchup between Florida and Butler. When we come back on Monday, I'll recap how the Gators fared against the number 24 Bulldogs, and we'll also see where the Florida football team landed for a New Year's Six Bowl on Selection Sunday. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day.